unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth, and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the Word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the Word. Today we want to talk about faith toward God. Now, this word, as you see Hebrews 6, 1, faith toward God, it's not as obvious as many of you read it. Right? And it quite doesn't mean what many of you in this room assume it means. Right? When the Bible says faith toward God, the Greek word there for toward is epi. Epi. And epi means to superimpose on or to build upon. You understand? Or to place against. Superimposition. So, if I am to actually use the right language of English for your understanding, you know, circumspect to the translation written in KJV, I would say, and of faith superimposed on God. Or, I would say, on faith built upon God. You understand? We're not talking about faith in God. We're not talking about the faith of God. We're talking about the faith built upon God. Are you hearing me? Now, there is a deliberate mind in the writing of scripture for God to use the word toward. Like I said, if you're a reader of the Bible, and you've probably read it many times, some of you even claim and say, you know, I've read the Bible page to page, cover to cover. There are things that you will read and probably they might pass you. But as you start to study intricately, you realize that there's a deliberation by God to keep some of these things the way they are supposed to be kept because in them is deeper revelation. Towards was a deliberate teaching. Towards was a deliberate emphasis. In Acts 20, 20, this is Paul speaking to the church. He says, you know how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. Now we're talking about the things that are profitable to men. Okay? Things that are profitable for every believer. Things that are building and build the believer. He says... I have showed you and have told you publicly and from house to house. He says, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. Repentance toward God, which is the same as repentance from dead works. The first order we read. eh? And faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, there's a repetition there. An emphasis. Faith toward God. It does not say faith in God. It's not saying the faith of God. He's talking about faith toward God. But again, the word there is a P, right? It is the faith that is built upon God. It is the faith that is built on God. He says we must teach the church foundationally. One of the foundations of the doctrine of Christ. If we are preaching Christ and no other thing, we emphasize the building of a foundation one, repentance from dead works, but number two, of a foundation of building faith toward God. Faith upon God. Superimposing faith on God. Praise God. Now, so you ask yourself, how do we build faith upon God? Also, what is faith toward God? First Thessalonians chapter 1 and verses 8. How do we build faith? How is faith built toward God? How? What do you mean building upon God? What do you mean superimposing on God? It's probably as though the same as saying I have faith in God. Paul says in Thessalonians, he says, For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God's word, he says, is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. Again, the word there, faith to God's word, toward God, is a P. Right? But Paul has given us the key 
to unlock this mystery in First Thessalonians 1.8. He's trying to explain what faith toward God is. Somebody shout hallelujah. What is faith toward God? What does it mean to build your life based on faith toward God? And he gives us two parallel sentences or statements in scripture. And all of them are there to help us relate with the picture God has towards this idea. Right? He says, for from you, the Bible says, sounded out the word of the Lord. From you, he said, sounded out the word of the Lord. And because the word of the Lord was sounded out, the Bible says, now in every place your faith toward God is spread. So how is our faith toward God spread? Through the sounding out of the word. The sounding out of the word is how our faith is spread. Now you'll ask yourself, what do you mean by sounding out? What do you mean by sounding out? Paul is saying the church in Thessalonia spoke the word out of them until it started to spread in Macedonia and Achaia by simply the word that was coming out of them. He preached to them the word to a point where the word filled them And because of the feeling of the word, the result of that is that the word started to overflow out of them naturally. They emitted the word. Now, sounding there is not just in words only. But there were many other aspects of their lives that started to manifest God and the word. You understand? It started to emit the realities of the word through them. That in Macedonia and Achaia and every place everywhere, the faith toward God was spread abroad. And when Paul goes there, he needs not to say anything because there is evidence of the word of God in these people's lives. It is so evident that the word of God, they live, they breathe, they act, they apply, they submit, they relate, they connect, they ooze, they emit, they disseminate, they connect, they serve, they subject. It was so in them. That through them now, because of how the word was working through them in speaking, in the speaking, but also in the manifestation and application, the word of God started to spread even in Macedonia because of how these guys were responding to it. They were not necessarily preachers or apostles or prophets on the pulpits. But this was because in every individual in the church, the word of God was evidently working and evidently being emitted, spoken out. And when it started to do that, the word spread in Macedonia under care because of them. And Paul says, that is faith toward God. In other words, faith toward God has so much to do with how we relate with God according to his word. Did you understand what I just said? According to his what? Word. And because it has so much to do with how we relate with God according to his word, it means that every believer must develop a personal life of faith based on God's word. I did not say based on the apostles' faith. I did not say based on the prophet's prophetic word. I did not say best on the evangelist's ministry. Every man in this room or every believer, the doctrine, if you're talking about Christian doctrine, fundamental, foundationally, Christ wants to build every individual to the extent that you have faith individually, not based on anybody outside you, but also in everything the word of God comes applied and hidden in every place at every time and in any given order the word of God comes first and is the ultimate application remember those three every place every time and in every order 
the word of God must be priority, must take precedence in every circumstance of your life. You build a life of the word of God and your faith based entirely on the word of God. Because of the way the church has gone in the way of the teaching, the systems of this world, um, of whose God is wrong, men have now gone into the mind of building ministries, uh, submitting ministries, and responding uh, to men of God as though they are the substitute of the word. Have you ever noticed that there are people who can never settle in one ministry? Have you ever noticed that? They leave one church, they go to another church, they leave that church, they go to another church, they leave one man of God, they go to another man of God, they leave one apostle, they go to another, they leave one prophet to another prophet, they leave a prophet to a teacher, they leave a teacher to evangelist, they leave evangelist to the preacher, then today they leave the cathedral to the temple, they leave the temple to the sanctuary, to leave the sanctuary to the center, they leave the center to the house, you understand what I'm saying but what are they looking for many of them have been deluded to think that they can rely on the faith of the men of God of those ministries and many men of God because they don't understand the dynamics of building ministry many think that people can only stay if you prove to them that they can only depend on you for their survival so when we started teaching the way we were teaching I think many people have not understood the uniqueness of our ministry when we started preaching the way we were preaching the Lord spoke to me as a gun said build a ministry that liberates and empowers, emancipates the individual to believe God for himself. And the total success of your ministry is to the end that men no longer need to depend on you. When a man doesn't need to call you to fix an illness, that is success. Oh, but if you do that, Apostle, they will leave you. How come you have not left? Because people don't leave ministry because they are empowered. That's not why you can't leave where you are empowered. Can you? You cannot leave what feeds to empower you. Are you hearing me? And of course, I want to break down this whole mindset that I've seen around people. One time I was uh, somewhere with a fellow and this guy, I could see in his heart there was just bitterness and envy. And he said, you know, I don't believe in mega churches. You know, it's, it's just walkings of men. Because, you know, you go back to the first church. It was just a few disciples that were meeting in small houses and little catacombs. There's no point in building mega structures and mega churches. And I know why he's saying that. He thinks that the present church of the 21st century should look like the early church well if you insist and want to put us there let's go there let's debate there did the early church have pastors did the early church have prophets did it have evangelists and teachers it had apostles so that means every church should be led by an apostle because you want us to use the first church order revelation is progressive like it was that he gave it to the kings and the kings did what they were supposed to do. And when the kings are done, the judges get it. And in the dispensation of the judges, when it's enough, it progresses over from the judges into the what? The prophets. And then the prophets receive it and then it progresses up to Malachi. God closes that. New Testament dispensation, the revelation progresses to the apostolic. It doesn't mean that everybody is supposed to be an apostle. God was simply giving us a trade of pattern of how revelation was progressing over the years in Christian history. Somebody shout hallelujah. But now we cannot say that all are apostles. 
all are prophets or teachers or evangelists. God has given every man according to, you know, whatever he has called them. And all the whole fivefold ministry is available and relevant. So we cannot build like the old. But this guy was saying, you know, when you're in a mega church, nobody cares for you. It's really business. Well, maybe because he saw it in the nation he was raised and saw men transacting. Uh, and because members in the church were statistic in there, wherever his experiences were, it means that every man who has a big ministry looks at every member as a statistic. No, some of us are fathers. Listen, we were not given an appointment letter through a board of directors by going to theology school and coming for an employment that is temporary for four years and then we move on to another employment. We are pioneers of a movement. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because some churches are like businesses. You understand? We sit down, we appoint you, you go, you, you understand? There's no understanding of the order of how men are appointed. It's just transactional. No. The church of Jesus Christ is supposed to be transgenerational, father, son. That's the order of the spirit. You understand what I'm saying? But, he said, you know why? Because there nobody cares about you. You know, you can even be seated in church. But nobody cares whether you ate food or you didn't eat food. Nobody cares whether you slept this. So, and yet we are supposed to show care. But how will they care for you in a mega church? So what? You go look for another, a smaller church. And then, you know, where people can know your name. Okay. Then I said to myself, I remember 5,000 men following Jesus. And I'm thinking, okay, so did the Thomases know everyone? Did the Peters know everyone that was walking with Jesus? You understand what I'm saying? The multitudes that thronged at the anointing of the man. Did they know whoever had lunch and dinner and supper? And the truth is no. It's not that we don't care. But you see, Satan has deceived the church into a very wrong understanding of the responsibility. That's why I said, now we have a very big problem in this dispensation of Isis to define identity. Who is a Christian? Who is a child of God? What does it mean to be born again? How does God relate with a believer? What is your expectation as a believer? What is the nature that you have as a believer? What is ministry? And what is the kingdom? You understand? If you have... Not listen to someone. I want you to listen to someone called the enabler, the helper. You remember the persecutor and the who? And the victim. Because some of you, some people now, would rather go to a fellowship, huh? a meeting, where everyone knows their name, okay? And they are pampered until they die. Because you see, being in a place where everyone cares for you does not mean that you're receiving. The revelation of Christ. And as you grow up, you start to separate the precious from the vile. When I was very young, when I was still young in the way of the Spirit, I had many teachers around me. I used to listen to many people, many men of God, watch many videos. As I grew up, it started to zero, 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 and to one shepherd. You know, as you grow up, eh, you start siphoning the messages. Eh? There was a time when all preachers used to speak the same. You understand? Eh? But as you grow up, you start to see the difference. As the word of God comes to you, you start to see the difference. You break them off slowly. You understand? Eh? But when you're a baby, you listen to everyone. Everything on YouTube for you is yours. You understand? But as you continue growing, slowly by slowly, they reduce. And as I grew in God, they started reducing. I started to realize there are certain people who could not speak to me. Not that they are not good ministers, but for many I was above what they were saying. Or some, I could listen. There are things that were wanting. And to the judge, I could not judge them, but I knew it was not for me. It was for someone else. But it's for someone. Let that person enjoy it. You understand? But as you grow, you reduce this thing. You start, you know, getting to a point where you want to get a particular voice that can speak to you and just stick to something because your life is too short you will never read everything you understand you'll never know everything but if god can just help give you precision and your eye starts to separate the voices eh, you're helped because when you're young you can mix yourself up 
you can mix yourself up until you don't know anymore who is true. Because this one said this and the other one said this and both of them are men of God. So he's right. Then even the other one, then you add. Then you also add your opinion. <laughs> Praise God. But caring for people and taking care of people are two different things. In the Bible, there are people God has told us to take care of. Those are the orphans. And I do. The widows. And I do. The elderly. And I do. Those the Bible has told us to take care of. The rest we are supposed to care for. Do you understand what I mean? If you're not in that class, eh, you are in the class of being taken care for, not of. You're not a baby. You are an adult. We care for you. We don't take care of you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let me explain what I mean by that. Taking care of you is to make sure that I call you every week to make sure that you are okay. Taking care for you is to make sure that I fast, I pray, I seek God, I submit to His will to make sure that every time you come in this room, I have an answer for you. Even if I don't call you for a month, but you receive the remor of God, if you're mature, that is enough. Praise God. Now, some people would prefer, okay, me, I want a small, I'm not against small fellowships, but the reason to leave a ministry should not be because the ministry has become so big for you not to be recognized. That's a spirit. You're dealing with a very big demon spirit. Why should you be recognized by men? I thought the order is God is supposed to recognize you. Isn't it? The Bible says he grew in favor toward God and man. You see the order? God favors you, then men favor you. When it is God who favors you, even if you hide yourself, something will bring you out, honey. But like there are people I've even failed to relate with. Because... He will cut a wire for you for why you didn't eh, call them. Eh, eh, eh. What of the orphan? What of those people who really need us? You understand what I'm saying? We have to mature to a place of understanding that the best care you can ever receive is the word. That's the best. Listen, look at how God did it. When man was desolate, broken, lost, you know, in sin, and confused and destroyed, you know, aimed for death and destruction, what did he send? Did he send angels to hug them and make sure they eat? What did he send? Hey, what did he send? He sent the word. The Bible says he sent the word and healed their diseases. The Bible says he sent a word in Jacob and lit Israel. The Bible says and he was the word and the word became flesh and dwelt among men. And the Bible says he dwelt among men. This is Jesus Christ. And after he finished his purpose and assignment on the earth, three years, he disappeared. Because God did not want any attachment physical. He wanted to build relationships based on spiritual. That is why the Bible says we regard no man in the flesh. Some of you, you want people to hug you until you die. No, don't hug me to death. Give me the gospel. Keep your hug. Give me the gospel that I will leave. That shall be enough for me. We must mature to that level where we don't need a phone call to stay in church. Where you don't need anybody to check on you to stay in church. Why? Because if God loves you. How many of you, you wake up in the morning and you study a word. And I wake up and I just open the same scripture you are studying. Why? That is because God cares enough 
to demystify your search. How much more do you need God to communicate to you? Hey, Apostle Grace has taken four months without talking to me. That means you don't listen to my sermons. I talk. In them I talk. You can't be sitting in service and you say, Apostle doesn't talk to me. What am I doing? Somebody shout hallelujah. But we cannot substitute carnal, emotional things for the gospel. We can't. Because we open up for carnality and we become fleshly. And before you know that we open doors we are not even supposed to open. You get it? Some of you, if you have been readers of the church history, there was a group of guys called the Puritans. It came out from uh, the England then. And they went a bit to Holland for some time, came back to England, found Virginia, and, you know, there was a mixture of, of the doctrine then. And then they went to the United States of America. And then these are the first voices of the gospel on the continent of the United States of America. And consequently, through those men has been the biggest influence of the gospel in Christian history. The major revivals have taken place there. First Great Awakening, Second Great Awakening, and all these layman's revivals. I mean, you'll see that many of the revivals have hit that part of America greatly. Why? Because a certain group of guys went on those shows. But one man was writing about them, I remember. I think the writer was Frank Battleman. He wrote a wonderful book about, you know, the revivals of the past. And he said, in the days of a Puritan, if you found a Puritan and cut their blood, they'll bleed scripture. He said... It was practically impossible to have a conversation with a Puritan. Practically impossible to have a conversation with a Puritan and not end up in the Bible. Practically impossible. Even if you are talking about food, they'll bring a revelation about food. They fed the word, they ate it until it was the only thing oozing out. They were smelling it, they were bleeding it, they were oozing it, they were emitting it. Anything called the gospel, it was them. The Puritans raised the culture of teaching the word, reading the word, teaching every individual the word. That is what made America great. Their founding fathers built that nation on the scripture, on the gospel. Do you know how many people sit in church and their faith is not built on who they know in God? They just come in a service waiting for the man of God to walk to them and rebuke the devil of them. They sit in church saying, God, I pray. Apostle calls me and tells me what. They go every service just for a man of God. But adventure to say, who is Evelyn? And they go back disappointed every time because they are calling everyone except them. Mommy. God said, I have called you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, I wish Apostle puts his hand on me. And then they come in the meeting and wait. And then they feel frustrated. And then they even cut a wire. God, you don't care for me. I said, let the man of God call me. God, he didn't call me. And God is like, but I gave you everything that you need for your deliverance and answer. Do you need a man of God to call you and lay hands on you to know that I love you? Okay, do you need a man before Apostle Grace lays hands on you? Were you healed by his stripes? Hey, were you healed by his stripes? So if Jesus Christ says, By my stripes you are healed, even before Apostle lays hands, you were what? What if Apostle got on a flight and went to China to revive some dead souls? You stay sick and die, and they say, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's why Jesus went and left us the Holy Spirit and said, you know what, the only way I can make sure that I don't make a mistake of a man dying in my absence, let me enter every believer. Oh, glory to God. Now I'm in you, in you, in you, in you. The Bible says in him I live and move and have my own being. Now you can't say that your brother died on Thursday because Jesus wasn't there. Uh -uh. Christ in you, the hope of glory. If the pastor is not there, get the same Bible the pastor uses. Put your hand on that woman and say in the name of Jesus. 
Heal. Successful ministry is when we get to a level where you no longer say, and then the man of God said, and then he laid hands, and the woman was healed. No, the testimony starts to be, and then my sister came in the room, and I said, cancer, in the name of Jesus, get out of her. The testimony is that you prayed, and God answered. So you just come on Sunday to refuel, reinvigorate, re-energize, charge, and then you go back in the world and show them what you're made of. That is the gospel. When every man is empowered to demonstrate God. At first the threat was Apostle Grace. Now the threat is Fanero. Hey! Everybody's crazy. Somebody shout hallelujah. Someone was listening to Pastor Zach on the sermon. He said, Apostle Grace, who in your ministry is not deep? I told him, none. Somebody shout, Amen. You find a normal funeral person and they open the Bible for you. And you want to be born again again. Somebody shout, Hallelujah. Do you understand what I'm saying? We want to get to a place where when they meet you and you say you're funero, you look the word. You smell the word. You bleed the word. Everything around you is the word of God. For he says, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. And then he makes it personal. But he that cometh, not them, you don't go in a group. You go alone. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him tell your neighbor build your own faith tell them start your own fire shout amen and glory to God you get at home and the pain comes you say hey 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 some of you say, oh, apostle, uh, no, you first rakata, shalayera, pass out, go. Why do you think we don't have counseling hours? Because we don't want you to be dependent on our faith. No, build your own. At least come for counsel when you've written a list of things you've done. Apostle, I did this, I did this, I did this. Then we can now say, okay, you, maybe you didn't do this right or do this, and then we'll get it right. But some of you, you come bleak with nothing. No, this thing is war. Are you hearing me? First enter the ring first, are you hearing me? Before you call anyone, eh? Throw your jobs a bit. Are you hearing me? Do your own kawo. Before you even call a man of God, ah, first train, exercise yourself in godliness. Are you hearing? Before you call, no, first say, mm-mm. come, first come, first come, no. Are you hearing me? Throw your panties a bit. As you exercise, you realize you only need to call us. Then you send a testimony on the next morning and say, man of God, last night something came and I told it. I told it where to go. That's faith. Toward God. Because we believe the same word you believe. We can't make men dependent on us. We can't be God to you. We can't. We can't. We can't. Churches can't grow like that. We cannot multiply when the oil is on only one man. And it's just these bees coming to suckle one person. No. Everybody must have the honey. Somebody shout hallelujah. Yeah. Attract the beast too. Somebody shout hallelujah. He says without faith it is impossible to please God. It's impossible. A lady brought me a young man. His son. A guy does SCE. He was supposed to go to South Africa to do some work. He needed thousands of dollars. The money was not available. And so this guy is a believer. He's this little young boy, about 15, I don't know. So the mom brought him to the office. You know, she wanted the boy to build faith, right? 
So she brings the guy. She says, Apostle Grace, this boy wants money. And she says, but the money is there. And she confessed, the money is there. You understand? She couldn't say it's not there, but I understood what she meant. And so I look at this young man and I say, what do you see? What do you see? He said, you see, Apostle, firstly, my mom should not worry. I want you to minister to her, not to worry, because my faith is in God. I will get the money. I just told the guy, let's just thank God. <laughs> Indeed, somebody paid the guy's bill, the whole bill. Now, if our children are learning to believe God, imagine the future of your little babies. Imagine what your children are going to be like. I talked with my sister recently, she was telling me about our nieces. The way these kids now relate with faith. They go into their personal space and exercise their faith and believe God for something. And it happens and the kid tells you, "Uh aha, that's me right there. I believed God. I believed God. We must build a place where even your child knows that if trouble comes, they know who to turn to. Before they call you, they just say, Rabbi Abakata. Now, if a child at 14 is independent to believe God for money, and you find somebody 38 and they've come to you and they're telling you, Apostle, I'm tired of poverty, pray. <laughs> now, I have to first get into this person's head firstly to make them understand. If Jesus was made poor that you might be rich, why are you even asking for a prayer to be rich? Who told you you're poor? You see now it's a doctrinal issue. So I go into explaining that you can't be poor. Okay, 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 okay. Now I've understood. I'm not poor. I just want you to pray for me so money manifests. I say, ah, ah, ah. Even the manifestation of money is not prayer. Hey, okay. Go and listen to Fix Your Star. How many parts? Four of them. Okay. Go and listen to the Faith Series. How many parts? Five of them. Okay. Go listen to Son of Terror. Go listen to the Shunammite. After listening to them, come back. I love it when they come back. After listening to those summons, you give them an appointment, they come back and they say, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. Now, I just want you to sink with me because I'm rich. Aha! Aha! Now you get it. Praise God. Praise God, somebody. Shout amen. amen. Jude chapter 1, verses 20, the amplified version. It says, But you, beloved, he says, build yourselves up, founded on your apostles' holy faith. On your prophet's faith. On your evangelist's faith. On your man of God's faith. Let's read one to three. It says, but you, beloved, build yourselves up, founded on your most holy faith. He says, make progress. Rise like an edifice, higher and higher. Praying in the Holy Ghost. The word there edifice is building. I mean, build yourself up like a building. In Luganda, we're pange. Torinda kupanga. Do you understand what I just said? Come on Sunday, receive the word. Go back and do what? Build yourself. Somebody shout hallelujah. Glory to God. He says on your holy faith, you beloved, you build yourselves on your faith. You, you, your faith, you. You remember Jesus? Every time the miracle happens, your faith has made thee whole. Every time the miracle happens, your faith has made thee whole. No, I'm Jesus, yes, but your faith has made thee whole. Yes, I'm the son of God. I carry the fullness and the complete anointing of God. But your faith has made you whole. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. As in the bank on Friday, 
had gone to transact. So I enter this banking hall. This is tall, big, dark guy. He looks at me. And, you know, <laughs> some people, when they meet me, it humbles me how they react. <gasps> Apostle Greece. Oh my God. Praise God. It shook my hand. And then we were in, in a section where there were enough seats. So I sat down. I was waiting for some uh, paper from the bank. And then the guy sat down too, just opposite. So he looked at me like this. And so in this angle, I could see some chap is overlooking me. You know, like when you're doing something on your phone and you're like, and there's a guy looking like this. So in my island, the enemy is like, Go on my phone again. Another time I look back. Man, I'm like, what up? So this dude, again, he does it. So he's like, oh, why are you shaking your head? He does like, people don't understand you. <laughs> So I said, people don't understand you. So I said, why did you say that? I said, Apostle, if people only understood the word you teach, I mean, some people think they do, he said, but if people understood the things you teach, and he says in his accent, he says, you know, these things are very crazy. He said, you're very crazy, but if people understood the things, ah, then he shook his head. Then I said, okay, where do you come from to say this? He said, somebody gave me a CD. And I listened to it the first time. So when I was at home, I said, why don't I listen to it again? I listened to it the second time. It gave me another revelation. I listened to the same CD the third time. He gave me another revelation. So I said, no, let me be listening to this CD. It will be giving me revelations. So he said, so I listened, I listened, I listened. And then on one day when I listened, a vision came and hit me. And I said, why do I earn five, six million a month? This was a guy who asked himself after over listening to the word. He said, why do I earn five or six million a month? Then he said, now God. Now, this is a man on his own face. I am ready to believe you bigger than this. Because the word says so. Your word says so. He said, I am entering the realm of hundreds of millions in the name of Jesus. So he said, and then after making that prayer, a few minutes later, the guy says, someone called me from Juba. And said, get on the first bus and come now. Without telling me anything. I said, this stranger, how can I just go to Juba? Then when I hung up, the spirit told me, but you just prayed. <laughs> I hear you. So he says, so I get on a bus to Juba. And when I reach in Juba, I'm given a deal. And it makes me instantly 800 million shillings. People don't understand you. <laughs> Somebody shout amen. That's why I love the gospel. When it's working in the life of a man, and you can see it, that a man shifted from five, he just got tired. He just realized that to shift from five million to hundreds is just getting tired. Did you understand what I just said? It's just getting tired. You understand? So he says, people don't understand you. Now, he has understood that the word works. And in the same room, a person sat in that meeting, and up to today they don't have a job. In the same meeting, this one has a CD. The other one was even in the meeting, and probably she even got slain and carried back her bag. And they don't have a job. Did you understand what I just said? He was responding to what the word of God has done. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 24, the message version. Let's read that. It says, 
We are not in charge of how you live out your faith. It means us men of God. Don't put us in, yeah, you would have been, but that pastor. No, we are not in charge of how you live out your faith. We can give you the word, but what you use it with is entirely you. Somebody shout hallelujah. He said we are not in charge of how you live out the faith. He says looking over your shoulders suspiciously critical. Why did you do this? Why don't you do this? It's not our business. Paul says we are partners working alongside you joyfully expectant. And Paul says I know that you stand by your own faith. Not ours. Live my faith for me. Somebody shout amen. Amen. The Bible says you stand on your own. Oh, I don't know why I'm not successful in the ministry. I'm not responsible for your success. I have mine and it is working. I'm just giving you what has worked for me. You have the choice to make it work. To churn your own milk to butter. To set your own flame of fire. It's your responsibility to JKHA. Joe! We are not your gods. Hallelujah. Even if I don't call you, just get the word and put it in your spirit. You have to get to a point where you can build your own life of faith. So what do you do on Sundays and Thursdays and all these meetings? You just come to refuel, re-energize, revitalize, reconstruct, reconnect, refresh. You go out in the world. Are you hearing me? You go out like a burning flint. But we are not responsible for your faith. You are. We give the word. And in the same room, there is somebody the word is working for. The other day somebody sent me an email. They had gotten four job offers and all of them were big and they were confused which to pick. I said, aha, this is a good problem. That one, let's pray. Mm, Let's pray, that one, let's pray. Because all the jobs are big. That one, let's pray. And let me tell you, that's the season we have entered in. You're going to call me with such problems. Somebody shout amen. Two big opportunities and you don't know which one to choose because both are big I've said it it can only be so somebody shout hallelujah praise God praise God we are not responsible for your faith you are responsible for your own faith you stand by your own faith not ours. If you build a life of standing on another man's faith, it is temporal. In fact, it's possible to live on another man's faith. But the only challenge is that when you live on another man's faith, your miracles are short-lived. That is the example why many of you have noticed people who get healed in meetings. When they go back home, the sickness comes again. When you're around certain people, everything is okay. You're feeling okay. When you come out of a meeting, you start feeling bad and things go away. When you're not around men of faith, things can kill you. But what if they come that day when I'm away? You die because I want to build a ministry where men depend on me for their survival, that God can only speak to them by me, and without me, nothing can be done. I'm the way, the truth, and life. Nobody gets to the Father except by me. Do you understand what I just said? People, we have to grow up. Christianity cannot be a life of babies and weak people. We have to be strong enough to ember our fires. Shut up, Baba. Now I want you to raise your voice and speak. Build your own thing now. Create. Start creating. Start creating. <laughs> Great things are being made now.
Come on, speak. 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 Create your own light. Start your own fire. Establish your own reality. Come on. Hey. Come on. It's in words. Ever true. Come on. Changing me. And changing We have come. With open hearts. If you're sick in your body, receive your healing now. Start to do something you could not do. Ascent words. Changing me and changing you. Come on, pray. We have come with open. Fix your family. Fix your children. Fix your marriage. Fix your career. Fix your education. Fix it. We have come. Holy words of our faith hand down to the stage came to us through sacrifice. Oh, heed the faithful words of Christ. Ancient words. Changing me. Come on. We have come.
your family. Redeem your career. Salalelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelel
1-800-242-4291 or email us at funerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.funero.org or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero, make manifest. <laughs>